Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Jmart, and it's time for the Jmart cast for Monday, September 13th, 2021. How's it going? How are ya? <laughs> I like doing those. They're kind of fun to try different ones. Thank you, Bill Burr, for that introduction. I will keep using it because it is uh, a good one and fun to play with. But uh, anyways, how's everyone doing? Nice to join you again and uh, talk to you a little bit. Hopefully your week's been good. Mine's been awesome. Uh, I've been kind of a bit of a negative Nancy maybe recently. I don't know if it came off on the podcast, but definitely lots of good reasons to be more positive for this week. Uh, uh, I don't know. Let's let's rhyme things off. Uh, I did some uh, running this week. That was uh, on Tuesday. Went for a run with a buddy of mine. Did a bit of a 5K run. Like stopped midway through at a calisthenics parks and park and did a little bit of pull up, pull ups and some stretching, and then uh, ran back. Yeah, it was it was good. Good. We kept a good pace. Did a couple of uh, sprints. One just down a soccer field and another one up a hill and uh, really pushed the cardio on the sprints and the lung capacity and everything. Cardiovascular system was charged up and uh, it felt good to do that. I hadn't done that in a long time. So I love sprinting. I was just telling my friend about this because it's one of the few types of exercise uh, where you can just like go full out and push yourself to the limit. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I, I hadn't thought about it more than that, but to me it seemed like you could just do that without harming yourself. Of course, that's not really true. But I guess there's just it just seems to me like there's lower potential as long as obviously you don't trip or anything. I, I don't know. I guess I was thinking about it in terms of like comparing it to other sports. That's what was the key to it. Yeah. Like I think I was thinking about like let's say you think of like a tennis and just like swinging your tennis racket at a ball. Like I honestly get really really good, I guess. For me, like I could never just like swing as hard as I wanted to without getting the ball to go as well over the fence. So it's just like that little bit of holding back or like any sort of, if you were to compare it to like striking even, right? Like if you're just practicing, you're going to be holding back. But when you're practicing sprinting, you don't have to hold back. You just go as hard as you want. <laughs> I guess there's just levels. It's all relative. You know, you still have to hold back, I guess, just not to... Because, you know, if you push yourself to the limit all the time, then you could think of it as like there's a certain amount of times you can do that. And the more you often you do it, the more you use it up. But there's also the opposite viewpoint where you can also develop that and by spending more time in it. So I don't know. I'm I'm just contradicting myself here. So I don't even know what I was going on about there. But <laughs> let's move on. And um Talk about something else. Speaking of trying to stay positive and not being a negative Nancy, I had my uh, second dose of the vaccine and uh, had a good, very strong immune response to it because basically the next day I was pretty wiped. I woke up and I knew something was wrong when I uh, put on an extra layer of clothing that I haven't been putting on for like, you know, since basically early spring. And uh, yeah, my temperature sensing was just way off and I felt really cold. Then as I was trying to go on about my day, I felt pretty weak and achy throughout my body. And then um, 
that was the day after the run too. So it was like, it didn't really help that I'd gone on a 5k run on the same day that I got the shot. And then the next day I was feeling the effects of both the feeling sore from the 5k run, especially like in my uh, feet and calves. And then um, also the immune response of the second dose and uh, just, yeah, feeling tired and achy throughout like the rest of the body as well. <laughs> yeah, solid combination. Um, uh, but luckily, wifey wasn't working that day and uh, she was able to <laughs> take care of me. Actually, we ended up going to my uh, sister-in-law's house where wifey and uh, her sister did some baking. They were baking a bunch of like cakes for my brother-in-law's wedding coming up in a month. I was in charge of watching my kid and uh, my sister-in-law's new three-month-old baby. It was a little cutie pie. And so as I was like super sore and tired from my run and just feeling completely out of energy and wanted to fall asleep, basically, I was taking care of <laughs> two children at the same time. But it ended up being pretty easy because um, both kids are awesome and really easy to take care of. My like two-year-old can pretty much take care of himself as long as he's got his toys. And then the little three-month-old was just super easy to hold in my arms. And I was actually, I'm a bit of a baby whisperer, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I uh, put him down to sleep two times on my own. So that was pretty sweet. <laughs> he's a little good little guy. Uh, I love hanging out with children. They're uh, pretty sweet, and that's kind of what makes me, what's been making me feel uh, positive and, yeah, feel really good about this whole thing. So, yeah, surround yourself with little kids and babies, and you're just bound, at least for me, that's my experience. I'm bound to be like 10, probably more percent, 20 percent happier. <laughs> Speaking of the children and my little guy, my boy's hilarious. He um he's got like such a developed like palate already in terms of like eating food. It's it's crazy. So <laughs> one of the mornings we um had some leftover chicken and pineapple um skewers that we'd barbecued and just was offering Carly was offering that, my wife was offering that to him in the morning. Uh, as just like a you know part of his breakfast and he <laughs> he turned it down but then he asked for a beef tongue that I'd slow cooked uh like a day before as well we have a bunch of leftovers so that was one of the other leftovers or he's like no I don't want the chicken and pineapple skewer barbecue I want the slow cooked beef tongue that daddy made <laughs> that's not what he said but like <laughs> that's just me interpreting that <laughs> because uh yeah, I I offered him the beef tongue and he uh was super down to have that <laughs> and finished it basically. <laughs> Kids hilarious, just ridiculous. Um let's see uh what else happened. Okay, so uh yeah, speaking of uh well no, not speaking of anything. I'm just changing topics now. <laughs> One of the things that happened uh, previously this week was, uh, so I'd set up uh, this 
um, mobile wallet is what you call it. It's a mobile wallet for uh, using Bitcoin on. So yeah, I'm changing the topic to Bitcoin now. <laughs> Not the smoothest of transitions. I'll work on that uh, for the next podcast. Sorry about that. But yeah, so this wallet is a custodial wallet, meaning that you own the private keys to the wallet. What are private keys? Well, this whole system is based on cryptography. And cryptography is just like everyone knows, like hopefully everyone knows, but it's just a way of like hiding messages, right? That's kind of like what like they use in the military. That's what Hitler and the Nazis were doing as they were sending messages back and forth. And then the British with Alan Turing were able to figure it out. And then Alan Turing is like the father of the computer. And then through computers, you can, you, you know, do cryptography a lot better where you hide your messages and encrypt them, right? And then to be able to encrypt and unencrypt things, you need private keys, right? So there's two things in terms of private keys. Well, there's two types of keys. Private keys are one type of key, and there's also a public key. So what you do is you can think of it as a email and password kind of comparison. Say when you send somebody an email, you need to know what their email address is. That would be the equivalent in cryptography as their public key. So you would you would send them an email and they would receive that email. And in order to read the email, they have their password to enter into the email address, right? And that would be the equivalent of the private key. With the private key, you can spend the Bitcoin that gets sent to your public key. Just like with a password, you can read the messages. <clears throat> My voice is doing that thing again. You can read messages that are sent to your email, your private, your public email. Yeah, so that's the equivalent of that. So this uh, wallet, uh, mobile wallet, keeps the private key on your mobile device and uh, <clears throat> no one has access to that but you, which is good. You want to have your own custody. Um, you don't want to trust anybody else. At least uh, that's kind of like the, uh, what I'm, that's my perspective. But in order to access the Bitcoin network, you need to have a node, right? And a node is not, something that you can easily have on your mobile device. So you need access to another device that's like a designated node. And what this uh, mobile wallet provider does is they have their own node that you can connect through to the Bitcoin network. And by connecting to that node, you are then able to send those messages out in terms of like who you're sending the money to. As you have the private keys, you are able to spend your Bitcoin and you do that by sending the message using a node. So you, there's a little bit of third-party trust in terms of trusting that the wallet provider has a well-operating node. So, But what the wallet provider also does is it allows you the opportunity to connect to your own node, which is a really useful function. And since I just recently set up my own node, I was basically going to give that a try. So I opened 
the wallet and I um, followed the instructions on how to connect it to my node and I connected it and it seemed like everything was fine. So then I was like, all right, I'm going to send some money into this wallet and then test it out, see, see what happens. And uh, there's a specific reason why I wanted to test out this wallet. I'll get into that later. But I um, was going to send a large amount of money, a large, relatively speaking, right? Like something that's large for one person could be small for another person. For, for me, it's a larger amount. I was going to send into the, this, this wallet address. And then I was like, just before I hit send, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is classic rookie mistake. Please don't do this. Um, so I stopped and I just uh, didn't send it. And I reduced the amount to the minimum amount that like whatever platform I was sending from would allow me just to do a test run because yeah, whenever you're using Bitcoin, you, 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 you got to make sure that you're absolutely sure that it's going to work because if it doesn't work, you lose it. Right. And if you lose it, yeah, it's, there's no one there to help you to get it back. <laughs> so that's what having sovereignty of your own money means. Right. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to do this small test send, make sure it works. I'm going to eat the, the fees for like sending it two times. You know, it's, it's worth it to send to pay the, the fee two times to make sure that it's working rather than lose it all <laughs> and like not be sure that it's working from that first try where I send everything through. Yeah, that would be awful. So I did the test run. <laughs> So I do a test run and lo and behold, it doesn't work. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very angry. I'm, I'm pissed, but I am so thankful for having caught myself. I, I literally was ready to send the whole amount. I was I, on that last click, my confirm button. And I was like, wait a minute. And I did that. And thank God it, it, I'd only sent the small amount. It was still large actually, but it was because the, the minimum amount you have to take out from the platform I was sending from is, is not like insignificant either, but at least it wasn't the whole stack. And so I start going into troubleshoot mode. I'm like, what happened? What's wrong? I need to fix this, blah, blah, blah. So then, um, first thing I do is, uh, of course, like search online. And so I found like this forum where my like nodes kind of running operating software has a community and they talk about issues. So I searched on there about the wallet. The wallet is actually called Samurai Wallet. So I saw if there's any kind of question answers about this wallet. And some people had the exact same issue. So I was feeling good that like hopefully, okay, someone's figured it out. But then just looking through the answers, there's nobody who had an answer. So then I searched out the support team for the wallet providers and um, they weren't really able to help me either. But what I was able to find was that you can actually like, because uh, all transactions are recorded on, on the blockchain, you could actually like search the transaction of me sending that money to the wallet address. And like, to my surprise, the, the transaction had actually gone through on like on that and uh, it just wasn't visible in the in the wallet so that made me feel a lot better it made me think that possibly like I could actually get this money back and so what I my solution ended up being was that I disconnected from my node 
because it seemed like there was just like some sort of like error in terms of like the synchronization. There's some sort of problem with like the way that the operating system of that node is able to connect to the wallet provider. And so they need to fix that. So for now, I'm no longer using my node and I'm connected to the wallet provider's node, trusting that they have a good node, basically, which is fine for now. They, they, the support team was mostly helpful and, and they helped guide me to be able to make that switch from my node to their node. And, and then as, I, as soon as I did that, boom, the money was there. And then I was pretty stoked to get it back. <laughs> and then once it worked, I was like, all right, now I, I can shift the, re the rest of the money to this because uh, now I know it works. <laughs> and the reason why I wanted to use this wallet was because it has, so it has a lot of functionality as I've already described. And one of the additional functions is it has is it helps increase the privacy of the coins you send into that wallet. So what you can think of, like I, I think I already said this, but every transaction is recorded on the blockchain. And you can see wallet addresses, you can see amounts, you can see how they're going back and forth from wallet to wallet. And if, if some wallets are provided by um, companies that also want your personal information, so this is called KYC, know your customer. Some wallet providers make sure that they have that information before allowing you to use their wallet service. And so if there was, like, let's say that information was then take somehow exposed to like a nefarious third party, the government, whoever it is, then that could be your personal information attached to that wallet could be used to trace uh, payments from that wallet to other wallets and try to see kind of do forensic analysis to, to see which are, which other wallets are your, or your wallets and basically kind of remove some of the anonymity of using the Bitcoin uh, protocol basically. And so what you can do in this Samurai wallets, one of the functions they, they provide the Samurai wallet is to do this function called a whirlpool where they will think of it kind of like gold in a way where you, you could have a multiple gold coins and they could, maybe they could have like different things on them to that you could like be like, oh, this one's different from that one. But what you could do is you melt them together and then you mint new coins and you can't know like where each gold <laughs> coin came from it's kind of similar to that where these uh, bitcoin they're called utxos which is a weird acronym but i think it stands for unspent transaction outputs but let's say you have like 10 bitcoin or whatever that amount that you received could be uh, uh traced back like to its very first creation i guess and so unless some things get like some functions like this get used where they kind of get, let's say, melted together with other outputs of Bitcoin and then separated back, it's, it's very easy to trace them back. So this is one kind of functionality that this wallet provides to help increase privacy, which I'm a big proponent of. And so I started this Whirlpool pro protocol on what I had because I want to kind of get that anonymity more anonymity to this amount and then and then send that to my node and i don't want my node to be known by anybody as to like who is involved in operating it or anything like that in terms of like the personal information like i'm okay with people knowing that i have a node but i don't want people to know which specific node is mine anyway the whirlpool 
protocol seemed to work fairly well. It was a little bit slow. It took like two days. And then uh, now it's done. And now I just have to take the next step to send it to my to my node wallet. So yeah, that was exciting for a few minutes there because uh, more than a few minutes actually, probably like half a day, I was uh, a little worried that I was not going to get that back. But we were, I was able to get some help from the support team and figure it out, which is really nice. Speaking of Bitcoin, uh, Tuesday, I think it was so September 7th, was a big day in Bitcoin world because uh, El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender. It was uh, interesting because uh, just as like they announced they made it legal tender, the price crashed 20%, so that was not a good first impression. <laughs> but uh, what was hilarious about it was that the president of El Salvador, who has kind of been the champion of bringing Bitcoin legal tender status in the country, was tweeting about how he bought the dip and kind of trying to make it seem like it was the IMF who was responsible for the dip. I doubt that that's the case, but uh, that's kind of what he was saying. <laughs> it was interesting. He was just like uh, taunting and being like, we just bought 150 more coins, bought the dip. I think he was like saying, we we saved like millions of printed dollars. Uh, thanks, uh, IMF News or something like that. It's an interesting world we live in when world leaders are tweeting that they bought the dip for Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, man. I had a weird dream where I did the perfect front splits. And I was just like, I woke up from that and I was like, why the hell? I, I never remember dreams. But for some reason, I just remembered myself getting into like the perfect splits in my dream. And it's like, I don't know. It's a, some sort of sign that I have to keep pushing on this. This is one of the more recent focused things that I've been going towards in terms of training, trying to improve the splits. At the beginning of this year, actually, I did a lot of uh, middle split training. And then after a while, it gets really painful <laughs> and you want to stop. So I, I did stop, but I did maintain a lot of the flexibility. But then what's good about middle split training is it, without trying, your front split gets really better from doing that. So then I randomly was checking into my front split and found that I'd made huge gains <laughs> that I'd never trained for. And it was amazing. I was really close to like doing a full split. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll do this. I'll work on this a little bit more. And then now all of a sudden I'm dreaming about doing it. So <laughs> my mind is trying to tell me something. And I guess this saying, um, like it's possible, like don't, yeah, part of, part of achieving anything is, is, overcoming that first like mental belief that it something is impossible that yeah you ha if without doing that you're yeah you just can't physically actually do it if if in your mind you think it's impossible so i think i'm slowly crossing that line through <laughs> this dream uh, understanding that like i can do like yeah i think even in my dream i was surprised because in my dream i i went into the splits and I didn't think that I was going to go into the full splits. And then it it just was like super easy and smooth to slide down and down until all I, I like, yeah, I touched all the way down. I was like, there's no more, more to go. And I was like in my dream looking down like, holy crap, I can do this. <laughs> and yeah, now in real life, I'm just like, I'm trying to touch back to that 
feeling of or that memory of that dream in that moment where I was like, oh, I can do this. It's possible. Just that leg goes there and the other leg goes there and it's, yeah, and I just slide all the way down. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, I don't know, very uh, basic, but yeah, I'm trying to just connect to that and replay it in my mind so that when I drop into it in real life, I, I kind of just recreate that again and can more easily fall into it. It's helping a little bit. Let's see what else. So this Saturday, I went to a wedding for one of my oldest friends who I met in grade eight of all places. Yeah, I love this guy. And we've been friends for a long time and like so happy to see him find such a nice girl. So we had a lot of fun at this wedding. We actually, we also went to high school. We met in grade eight, but we also went to high school together as well. So uh, I had a lot of high school friends that were at this wedding. So it was really nice to see them, spend a little bit of time with them. I don't see them very often at all at these days, but um, always a good time, always a good hang just to see each other and reminisce about all those times in high school. We were such different people and did such stupid things. Uh, my buddy's wedding had some dancing, which was amazing. Had a great time dancing. Uh, my favorite thing at weddings and dancing is when uh, Rasputin song song comes on and that's my cue to pick up the groom and luckily my buddy is a short and uh, a thin guy so I was like able to pick him up put him on my, on my shoulders I, I doubt he weighs more than 170 pounds I think I had him up almost half of the song on my shoulders <laughs> there's nobody else to, who picked up the bride unfortunately so we couldn't do that but that's that's totally fine usually never happens anyway the last time I did that, the, the groom was over 200 pounds. So this was like a lot easier and better. Didn't feel any neck soreness or stiffness the next day. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. And uh, not, too, uh, not too hungover either. I did have a bunch of drinkies, but I also was uh, pounding the waters pretty good and uh, woke up feeling mostly good. And we had a nice, um, the, the wedding was at uh, Niagara-on-the-Lake, which is pretty sweet. We were at a, a winery called Caroline Cellars, I believe. The next day, we woke up early and kind of went on a nice little walk in the morning along the lake shore. We didn't really have an idea where we were going to walk to, but we just um, ended up uh, walking along the lake shore and we walked to, to a golf course, but there seemed to be a trail through the golf course and uh, we followed the trail uh, while people were golfing, there's like signs being like, just watch out for active golfers. <laughs> I got like, my ears are just like trying to listen for like a four. <laughs> and uh, luckily it was fine. No, no problems. And then all of a sudden we got to um, this thing called Fort Mississauga. And it was like right at the entrance of like a little river. Maybe I guess it was the Niagara River. And there are like little plaques about how this was like where they were defending Canada, Canadian borders for like the War of 1812 and stuff. So it was interesting, just a fun little hike. Got to walk around, see some cannons, see the water and the lake. And then on the way back, we saw a plaque. I'm gonna, I took a picture, I'm going to pull it up, but it was a plaque for the people who did solo swims on Ontario, on Ontario Lake. It was like a, a plaque with all the people that had done it. And what I found was 
the fastest person. What was it? Where was he? I had him somewhere. I had a picture of him or just a picture of his name. That is John Kinsella. There he is. He did. He was a 25 year old and he did it on August 16th, 1978. He was an American. So he did 51 kilometers in 13 hours and 49 minutes. Yeah, 51 kilometers. And so there's a bunch of different paths, I, I guess, that you can cross through Lake Ontario. And some people do like longer ones and some people do shorter, shorter ones. So there's certain ones that are like 45 kilometers. I've seen 49 and 51. I don't have all the different ones, but basically 51 is the highest number. And this dude did 51 kilometers in the shortest time I saw from anybody. Yeah, 13 hours and 49 minutes, and he was a 25-year-old, and he did it in 1978. Just amazing. Like, uh, yeah, I was more impressed by that than by the Fort Mississauga. (laughs) Swimming is not my forte, and it's one of these physical skills that I actually need to improve on a lot. And it's always on the back of my mind is like this uh, project I have to get into. Uh, I have improved my like ability to float and kind of go through calm waters like in a lake fairly long distance i can just do a breaststroke or float on my back no problem but like doing a free like real freestyle stroke like in an efficient manner where i can uh do it in open waters and and like um you know not tire out like immediately uh that's something i need to work on and maybe that's something actually i need to look into getting a coach cuz i don't see myself figuring that out like I've I've watched this video from this uh, swim instruction company called uh, Total Immersion, and it's very helpful. But I think I would need someone there just to guide me, at least for a few lessons, and then could probably pick it up from there on my own. But yeah, that's probably uh, mid to long term goals is learn to swim in open water. So then after the uh, walk to Fort Mississauga and back, we packed our stuff and did a nice little seafood brunch before heading back to my parents to pick up my little boy. He didn't come to the wedding. Luckily, grandparents stepped up to watch him so we could uh, have fun kind of being adults at the wedding and, you know, dancing and, well, me having a few drinks, but Carly couldn't drink, of course, because numero dos is on the way. Coming in early December. So yeah, we had a sweet little seafood brunch at this restaurant in Niagara. And it was like the weirdest location, but the food was amazing. We had expensive ass oysters. Oh man, the oysters were like ranged from six to eight dollars each. (laughs) It's like, holy shit. But if you think about it in micronutrient quality, it's some of the highest density micro, micronutrients in the oyster that you get than anything else. So if you think of it like that, it doesn't seem that expensive, I guess. Still a lot, still pretty expensive though. <laughs> but they were delicious. AF, uh, we had like four different kinds. Uh, three from the East Coast and one from the West Coast. And the West Coast one was amazing. It was just like creamy and uh, less salty. 
and just like really good texture. And there's like sweet little horseradish and sauces and things that they gave us to go with it. And yeah, just tasted great. Had a lobster roll too. Reminded me of going to the East Coast. It was pretty delicious. And then we had a shrimp and avocado (laughs) avocado toast. You got to have avocados, man. Like sometimes I think to myself, what did I used to eat before avocados, before I discovered avocados? I, I don't remember a time before avocados, but now I eat them all the time. They must have replaced something, <laughs> but I don't remember it anymore. It's been too long. World before avocados no longer exists in my memory. Soon a world before COVID will no longer exist in our, mem- in our memories too. I cannot wait. Anyways, it was a sweet little brunch with wifey, and then after that we drove back to my parents' house to pick up the little boy and go home. Before we went home, though, we we had a nice little barbecue dinner with my parents, which was awesome. Had some Armenian kebabs barbecued by my dad. And and the kebabs were on, like, skewers, like long metal skewers, proper Armenian style. They're really good. And then we had some uh, lamb chops, too. My dad barbecued them pretty good, like almost to perfection, basically. He uh, has been figuring out barbecuing non-kebab things recently with my help. Finally, he's no longer just like cooking everything till it's like super dry. It's been great. (laughs) It's been great to influence him a little bit in uh, like just, yeah, not drying everything out and and keeping meat flavorful. Because you'll notice from, uh, I don't know, talking to Eastern Europeans or just generally people not from like Western Europe or North America, but people like to make meat well done because they're afraid that it'll have some sort of sort of like parasite or something that like won't get killed if you don't cook it well and you'll eat it and the parasites in you. That's like a common thing that people believe. And that's what my dad used to believe in my mom as well. And so they would make sure they would always get steak well done and never let any, any meat have any pinkness in the middle. So to see my dad finally make the change where it's not just me like standing over him, like directing him what to do, but he on his own was able to barbecue that like nice lamb chop with perfect like pink meat in the middle, like a nice medium lamb chop. Uh, I was, it's like makes me proud. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it was, it was a great end to the weekend and after that, we drove home, put the kid to bed, and then we were so tired. We just like pretty much went to bed soon after. And that's the reason why I didn't record this yesterday, and I'm doing it today in the morning. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for this week. I'm not going to get into any uh, exchanges I had with people because uh, I'm going to keep it positive today. Although my exchanges have been positive too, so that's that's a nice change as well. But everyone have a good week. I'll catch you next week. Stay positive, stay good. Later. Jmart out. <laughs>